You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's garden update season, baby. And I rototilled my garden again on Saturday, and the dirt's looking fine. It's looking well, fine this year. Well, you got some uh, good fertilizer in yours that you put in last year. Right? Well, I did, and I never, I didn't use my garden last year. I just yeah. let life follow, and I think I have ten bajillion weed seeds, however, in the garden too. Yeah. So I'm going to be ordering or having delivered uh, a couple big truckloads of um, of uh, mulch, uh, yeah. tree mulch, and then I'm going to use that in between the planting rows this year. I've never done that before, but. I know that will be future mulch as well, but it's uh, uh, something I've got to keep. getting from point A to point B, isn't it? Yeah, uh, especially if there's no labor in the United States to help me with that. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> oh, well, they will burn on. off some calories. We'll burn off some calories. Uh, but I haven't ordered my seeds yet. I have not made my seed orders from Baker Creek, and I'm going to be doing that over the weekend as I travel to Utah. Uh, David, it's uh, I don't know if you noticed, but somehow immigration has become the most popular topic in America. How did this happen? When did this happen? I thought immigration was, we don't care about this. But Trump has literally made it the center of his administration. Actually, no. It's it's near the center. The center would be his love vest with Donald Trump. With, with, I'm sorry, with Donald Trump, with, with Vladimir Putin. Um, and nobody does the Putin uh, uh, sarcasm better than Saturday Night Live. But the guy comes out bare-chested and uh, it's just hilarious. Um, so, David, today... Tuesday, uh, February 6th? Is is today the 7th already? Today is the 7th. My anniversary. Wow. Well, happy anniversary, by the way. Is this, what, uh, 15, 16 years? Uh, 36. 36 years. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll be doing number uh, 35 this year. No, no, 33 this year. Sorry, I'm going to be older than 33 this year. 33 this year. You got to know the number. I got to know the number. I got to know the number. So you were married to your current wife at at the Reagan administration. It's a Reagan marriage. 1981. It's a marriage filled with hope and the brightness of the future during a time when America's been pummeled by a president who thinks we're terrible. Our our biggest deal was we were all uh, watching television when uh, Reagan was shot. That, oh, that was right then, right now, wasn't it? That's uh, And Challenger was a few years later around this time of the year as well, in 86. I remember when that happened as well. That was my senior year at, at BYU, and that was just terrible. Uh, but I, I'll tell you the one thing about the Reagan years, and I mean, a lot of listeners won't agree with me. Those were years, initially they were fear. Okay, Reagan's going to destroy America. I'm gonna be, you remember all this, right? But at the same time, they were years filled with hope. You know, Ray, Reagan never said a bad word about America. He was always talking up America, wasn't he? You know, always. I, uh, I personally, I don't know about anybody else, but I personally, I love the Western Channel. The old Westerns that I used to watch when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You did, and I'm yep. sure everybody did. And uh, on, uh, what was it, the 20 Mule Team, uh, whatever, uh, Death Valley Days. Yep. And Reagan was a host, and once in a while he would be uh, be one of the characters. Oh, was he really? I did not oh, know yeah. that. And you know, you go back and you watch some of his uh, presidential interviews, and then you you go back and you watch one of the Death Valley days or whatever, and you know he was known as a great orator, mm-hmm. and uh, he was. And there was just you know there's just something about his voice. 
and his ability to tell a story, mm -hmm. his ability to re relate, probably, in my opinion, the greatest presidential president or presidential candidate that has ever used television. I, and he had he just had a knack for it. He you, you he was your friend. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I was a young man. I was in I was in I, his first two. First two years, I was actually in Peru. I was serving my mission in 81, 83. Um, but Reagan gave you a sense of hope mm -hmm. in America. Uh, and those of you who didn't grow up in the and 70s. It was, sort of, it was sort of like, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. And, and if you were around in the 70s, trust me, you needed that. The 70s I was were. In the military in the 70s. So the 70s were a nightmare. They were just a nightmare. From Vietnam in 70 all the way through Jimmy Carter in 79. It was the '70s were, I think, the lost decade. Maybe it might be the wonder years for some people, for me. But they were they were the lost decade for a lot of America. I mean, price controls, uh, the 55 mile an hour speed limit, uh, the uh, uh, the the gas wars, the, the oil wars. Kissinger I mean, giving away Vietnam. I mean, it, this was a lost. It's so when Reagan came in, it was a sense of hope, and you know his '84 campaign thing, the greatest campaign theme. In American history, it's morning in America. I still get choked up thinking about that. It was just the greatest campaign theme ever. This idea that you've got to make America great again is a bunch of crap. Uh, to think that Reagan campaigned on the morning in America theme, because it was, it was what it felt like. Um, and you can, you can bash Reagan. Oh, he was an idiot. He was an old man. He was senile. But he imbued that sense of hope uh, that we have not had in, uh, since then. Um, and to see today the president that we have, who would not even be allowed to darken the doorstep of a Reagan White House uh, for his attitude towards Russia, for his attitude towards immigrants, for his attitude towards America, to liken us to Russia, where just this last year 37 reporters were murdered by the state, is a joke. I mean, it's, it's, it's worse than a joke. General McCaffrey said it right last, this last week. It's the most un-American thing an American president has ever said. And he's absolutely right about that. Um, but this is the immigration show, not the bash Donald Trump show. Well, they actually could be the same thing, actually, some days, uh, David. Uh, I want to talk about this whole executive order. Now, we, we did analyze the executive order uh, when it came out here on our show in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we're talking about the executive order on the, on the ban. Not the executive order, David, that we detailed in, in, in quite a bit of, of length uh, that has a much greater impact internally, the interior uh, uh, security uh, executive order. This is the one that wants to ban people from the United States. Now, this executive order, David, is very interesting because we've heard a lot of talk about the seven countries and where the seven countries came from. So let's look at those seven countries. Uh, we've got Iran. Now, is Iran a friend of the United States, David? You can answer this question. I think you and I both agree to this. No. Iran is no friend of the United States. Are Iranians friends to the United States? David, I have a lot of Iranian clients. They are extraordinarily kind, gifted, intelligent people. And I will tell you the vast majority of them don't agree with their government. Uh, and we've got, a, very, we've got a, a good number of people here, particularly a tech from Iran getting their doctorates, their PhDs, their postdocs in very advanced science fields. These are some really, really brilliant people. Should we be keeping really brilliant people out of the United States? Of course not, as long as we keep them here. 
That's kind of the key. You don't want to educate the next generation of great Iranian scientists for Iran. You want to graduate them for the United States. Um, uh, let me ask you something, if you don't mind me. Of course. No, no, please. Um, what you're saying, isn't that true in most cases? It is. It's not, quote, unquote, the Iranians. Iranians. Right. Uh, I, I can't address... Pakistan, I can't address India, and I can't address uh, some of the other Middle Eastern countries. But with that being said, in air quotes, Iranians, I, I've had some Iranian friends. It's not the air quote Iranians, it's the government. It's the Iranian government. And it's sort of like uh, somebody was, we were talking, and they said, well, you know, even all North Koreans aren't bad. Well, you know, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. I'm sure it's true that all Japanese weren't bad. But Truman had to make a decision, and he made a decision. And a lot of innocent people were killed. Right. We don't have to make that, that decision today. Right. I mean, this is, this is the point of this. But, that, but that's it, what it, I'm it, getting at. See, Trump could have written an executive order that excluded good people. And here's, here's why this is important. Today, there is oral argument at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Uh, uh, Pacific, on the ban, uh, whether, whether the Ninth Circuit's going to uphold the stay put into place well, by the district court yeah. judge. Here's what's interesting about this. Last night, the Trump administration was required to submit their briefs. And in their briefs, they said, well, if you're going to uphold the ban, maybe you could rewrite the ban to say, well, we're only going to ban people who don't have current visas. So if you've got a current visa, you can come in. So for the very first time, Trump is backing down on his order. He can, you know, he can withdraw the order, and then the state goes, and then issue another order. He can do that, right? So this is really stubbornness on their part, or you know, or really what they're trying to do. They're trying to test the limits of the power of the executive branch. But going back to my initial point about the people involved here, the executive order took Iran first, okay? Uh, who do we not want to come from Iran? There's a specific type of person we don't want from Iran, right? The bad guy. So do you ban the whole country or do you ban the bad guy? And is there a way to ban the bad guy? Of course there is. So you say we're no visas to any Iranian government official, one. No visas to anyone who has Iranian military service, two. Uh, no visas to anybody from Iran that comes up on international checklists, three. So you can keep out virtually every bad guy from Iran without excluding the entire country. And you know what? People in Iran wouldn't care. You're not going to let my government guys in? I really don't care. That's not a big deal to me. Um, but when you exclude the whole country, what do you do? You say, wait a second, I'm not a bad person. So you've now sent a message to the Iranian people, the moderate is, uh, Iranian folks, who would be inclined, who have been inclined, but for Obama's non-involvement, to even overthrow their government. Without, because we didn't, we wouldn't give them support. Remember this from about six years ago when they were really, literally the, the spring was coming and we wouldn't help. That was again another terrible decision by Obama's foreign policy folks. So Trump sends the opposite measure: screw all of you. You're all evil, terrible people. Here's the worst part of the executive order, David. It's not for 90 days. It's for 30 days. It says in 30 days, you, the Secretary of Homeland Security, and you, the head of DOJ, Department of Justice, come up with what other information you think we need from the Iranian government. Then give them 60 days to give us that information. 
Okay? And if at the end of 60 days they will not give us that information, then they're permanently banned until they do. This is not a ban for 90 days. This is a permanent ban on visas from these countries. That's how the order's written. Because let's say, okay, what if you wanted to get every possible piece of information about every citizen in the country, let's say you needed, David, information about U.S. citizens, who, who would you want to get information from? Well, you got LexisNexis, right? Okay, well, you got LexisNexis, you want the public databases, you got Equifax, <coughs> you want the FBI information, but what else do you want? What does the CIA have? What does the NSA have? So we, uh, Iranian government, we would like uh, all of the information that the secret police have. We want all of the information from the uh, from the guards, whatever they call those guys over there. Um, do you think they're going to give us that information? They're going to share their internal database? Of course they're not going to do that. So this ban is not a ban on uh, that's good for 90 days. This is a permanent ban against people from Iran. From Iraq is the same thing. Now, Iraq is a very different country. Iran is a, is a Shia uh, Islamic faith-based country. Iraq is a mix of Sunni and Shia-based faiths in the in the Islamic faith, branches of the Islamic faith. Now, today, David, we have five thousand American troops in Iraq, fighting, not advising. You think they're advising, right, David? You'd probably better advise on this than I can. Um, they're fighting alongside Iranian Iraqi troops. How do you think this works out for them? people they're fighting against are now banned from coming to the United States. You think this is good for American troops? This is a monumentally terrible idea. I'll go back and further talking about this on the American Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour in America. I didn't get a chance to respond to that, David. Um, So here's what... Uh, the executive order does so that we really understand. Every executive order begins with a statement of policy and purpose. Okay, why am I doing this executive order? Now, a lot of people say, well, this is not a Muslim ban, and you haven't heard me refer to this as a Muslim ban yet. Um, but here is the argument being made by the states. Now, somebody asked me on Twitter yesterday, well, what is the harm to the states of, uh, of this executive order? So my counter question is, what was the harm to the state of Texas with Obama's DAPA executive order? So it's a rhetorical question. 
there may not be any unless you make it up. But if it works for Texas, it certainly works for Washington, uh, Hawaii, and Delaware. So here's what they said its purpose is. Quote, uh, to protect the U.S. citizens from foreign nations who are hostile towards America and its founding principles, including those who, quote, engage in acts of bigotry or hatred, including honor killings or other forms of violence against women, or the persecution of those who practice religions different from their own, or those who would oppress Americans of any race, gender, or sexual orientation. Now, this is interesting, because if you had to define, this is where people get the whole Muslim man from. Well, that's describing Islam. It doesn't really describe Islam, but that's that's what the argument is. It describes Islam. Um, so here's what it did. So Section 3 orders DHS, that's, that's the people at Homeland Security, in consultation with the Director of National Intelligence to conduct a review and determine what kind of information the U.S. will require from any country to adjudicate visas for its nationals or admit them to the United States. Now, interestingly enough, the Department of State is not on that list. Those are the people that issue visas. Interestingly, I mean, that's just really interesting. Again, this is a really poorly drafted order, really poorly drafted. So entry is suspended from these countries, as well as the issuance of visas, both immigrant and non-immigrant, quote, in order to prevent infiltration by foreign terrorists or criminals. All right. Now, where do the seven countries come from, David? They come from a bill passed, I think, two years ago, maybe last year, but two years ago by, by Congress that was part of an appropriations package that said, look, we let 30-odd countries use what's called the Visa Waiver Program. That means you don't have to get a visa to come to the United States from these countries. You can just apply online for what's called ESTA, E-S-T-A. You fill in your data, and within three days, we tell you whether you can just come on in, and you get a piece of paper, and you come on in, instead of going for an in-person interview at the embassy. Now, obviously, when you put your data and your information in uh, and uh, and get your picture in there, uh, they go ahead and they do, obviously, a background check, right? I mean, that's what they're doing. What they said, Congress said, Republican Congress said, look, there's certain countries... Who's, who are dual nationals of these friendly countries that we don't trust. And these countries are Iran, Iraq, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Syria, Syria and David, I always forget the last one. I can't Did remember. You say Afghanistan? No, Afghanistan's not on this list, David. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not on this list. Uh, I'm sorry for my – I don't have them all memorized. I used to have them memorized, but I'm old. Not as old as David, but I'm old. So the, they took the list from the people. They said, you know what? We want those people to have in-person interviews. They can't use the visa waiver. Even if they're a citizen of England, for example, if they were born in Iran, they have to have an in-person interview. Okay. They weren't being banned. They just had to have an in-person interview. This goes that next step. We're going to ban those people across the board, regardless of who they are. That's really the problem here. Uh, is that they took something that was limited in, co- in scope and context and then say, well, Obama did this. Well, Obama did this because Congress told him to do it. And oddly enough, Obama was actually following the law. I know it's shocking. David, don't, don't go crazy on me. But Obama was actually following the law here. Now, Section 4 of this order does this. It requires the Secretary of State, Homeland Security, DNI, and the FBI 
to develop a uniform screening program. Now, you have to ask yourself, David, isn't, isn't there already a uniform screening program that exists out there? Uh, yeah. So this should better be – this gives the impression that literally – this is about selling stuff, David, right? He's, Trump is a marketing guy. Well, just pretend like we don't have anything. And we have to develop this from scratch. This is not from scratch. We have an extraordinarily detailed database of this stuff. So, one, it must follow the following procedures. One, a database of identity documents provided by applicants to ensure that duplicate documents are not used by multiple applicants. Yeah, David, we have that already. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, we've been taking pictures at the, at the border. I mean, at the ports of entry, David, of every applicant that comes in the country. Yeah, yeah, for about the last decade or so. Um, and we have the databases of these passports coming into the country. So if somebody comes in, that facial recognition, I, I actually have a client that does this software, facially recognizes them, matches them to their passport, and to any other place that picture may appear. And if it appears on somebody else's passport, boom, they get taken aside. Next thing it asks for, a mechanism to assure that the applicant is who they claim to be. Okay. Uh, my name is Charles Cook. How do I prove that I'm Charles Cook? Well, here's some documents on the Internet that prove I'm Charles Cook. Here's my FBI fingerprints that prove I'm Charles Cook. Do you don't think we have this already? Clearly we have this already. This is why we take people's fingerprints when they come in the United States. We know who they are. Next, a process to evaluate. This is what I love. This is David, this is completely not within the scope of the president's power, nor within immigration law. It's, it's literally invented. A process to evaluate the applicant's likelihood of becoming a contributing member of society and in the national interest. Huh? What? I'm here for a visitor visa. I, I just want to go to Disneyland. I don't really care about contributing to your society. That can't be a criteria for issuing a visa. It's, it's Actually, what it does is it opens the visa issuance process to the courts. Right now, the courts are, cannot adjudicate, cannot get involved in visa issuance processes. This opens the courts to that. Uh, the next thing is a mechanism to assess whether the applicant has the intent to commit criminal or terrorist acts in the United States. David, you know what? This mechanism exists already. Uh, it's the Department of Pre-Crime in Washington, D.C. A guy named Tom Cruise heads it up. Uh, you should watch it. God, but be be, be careful that? of the minority report that comes out of that. But the Division of Pre-Crime now will be part of immigration law. I'm just very excited about that. Um, now, here's what it is. Section 5 suspends the refugee program for 120 days. That's just bad politics. I mean, that's just, that's just bad politics. And that's really, uh, David, that's the ban I think that they're really going after here because these folks have been, uh, in fact, screened already. So I, I think that ban may be staying in place for that. Um, and here's, here's where Trump gets in trouble, David. This is where it becomes the Muslim ban, and it's, it's, it's Trump's own fault. Uh, first of all, you got the wording of Mayor Giuliani, who said, yeah, Trump wanted the Muslim ban, but asked me to figure out how to do it without using the word Muslim. So we used danger. So here, But here's what they put in, put in here, and this is what kills them. This is, again, poor drafting, poorly thought out, coming from the anti-immigration uh, cabal of, of, of the Trump party. Um, it says that religious-based persecution claims will be prioritized if the individual religion is a minority religion in the country of nationality. This is designed to favor Middle Eastern Christian refugees over Muslim ones, although the text does not say that explicitly. Um, so this is very, very interesting. Now, Trump 
has the authority under Section 212F of the Immigration Nationality Act. Let's take, I think if we take a quick look at Section 212F of the Immigration Nationality Act, uh, I think what we'll see there is uh, a, a very broad-based power. I mean, I, as I told my law school class, uh, the president has enormous power uh, over immigration, enormous power. Uh, and uh, part of that comes from a complete abdication of responsibility by Congress, of, of, of the executive branch across all areas. I think we Congress has let the president get too much power in a lot of different things, going back to the Antiquities Act, where he can just name public parks wherever he wants to in the United States. Um, and uh, uh, But here in immigration, this is what they did, said in Section 212F. Um, pull up here in Section 212F of the Immigration Nationality Act. Now, 212F is a dual-purposed statute. Uh, it, it's, it's actually just weird, actually. Uh, take a look here. And I'm just curious, Charles. Does that go back to World War II, giving the president yes. this power? This yeah, power? This, 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 goes, this certainly goes back to what's called the Alien Act, um, uh, uh, the Alien Registration Act of 1940, put into place as at the beginning, prior to World War II, um, and uh, uh, was done in order to give the president the authority to do things like put the Japanese in internment camps uh, and su- su- some such things. Uh, but it also was designed to give um, uh, uh, the president the ability to look at visas uh, and look at visa issuance uh, and control that. Because Congress isn't going to tr- control individual visa issuance. They're not going to look at you know, Miguel's visa from Mexico and say, that's a good visa, give it to them. They, they have to give that authority to the executive branch. But the question becomes, have they given the president too much authority over these things. Uh, Here's what 212F says. Quote, whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or any class or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may, by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. All right, that's the power. Now what's weird is the se- that's the first sentence of this cl- of this section. The second section talks about commercial airlines. It's like just what? This is a complete non sequitur. So think about that. So you have to ask yourself, David, first, as lawyers, we define things. What does the section of entry of any aliens or class of aliens mean? What is one entry? Now, entry used to be a term of art. Entry was you physically coming into the United States. It wasn't the act of giving a visa. That's an entirely separate visa issuance. That's not the entry. So we don't know what word entry means in this context today. There's no case law on this. Of any aliens or class of aliens. So the, the question in Trump's order, can that include entire countries? Can that include entire countries? We don't know the answer to that. We know that President Bush, for example, used 212F as the basis to have people from one of 17 different countries register in the United States as part of the registration provisions that are attached to this. 
Um, so by proclamation, which he's done, for any such period as he can, or impose any restrictions he may deem appropriate. So this, David, is a, is a extraordinary power uh, of the president uh, that was put into effect in 1952, or in 1940, as part of the Alien Registration Act. Uh, now, what you also have to do, David, is look at the controlling, is there anything that controls this? Is there any provisions in the law that limit the president's discretion uh, on, uh, on, on barring a, any alien or any class of aliens from the United States? We're going to talk about that when we come back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's been a good show so far. We've been talking about the president's really pretty broad authority under immigration law to really limit the entry of the United States of any alien or class of aliens. But the courts get to determine what those words mean. That's, and that's where um, I found interesting. President, uh, Vice President Pence over the weekend said something I found fascinating. He said, the president controls immigration. That's not true. Congress controls immigration. President enforces the law that Congress has created. I found uh, I found it interesting that pres- that Vice President, even Vice President, is, is tainted by Donald Trump's interpretation of the Constitution, uh, and the, the executive branch is co-equal with the presidency. The presidency is not greater than the, than the executive than the judicial branch, nor is it greater than the congressional branch, except as Congress allows it to be. And really, it goes back to the beginning of the Republic with, uh, with uh, uh, John Marshall and uh, our first Chief Justice and saying, hey, Marbury versus Madison, baby, we have the authority to declare laws constitutional or not and to interpret the laws, and you have to obey them. That's the great benefit of our system. Now, David, uh, is the President's authority limited by another section of the Immigration Nationality Act, also in 8 U.S.C., which says this? No person shall receive any preference or priority or be discriminated against in the issuance of an immigrant visa because of the person's race, sex, nationality, place of birth, or place of residence. 
Now, if Trump is saying we're not going to give immigrant visas to Iranians, does that run afoul of that statute? The answer is yes, it does. But the question is, does Trump order do that? Does it go that far? Now, I know that the states are not focusing on this particular part of the president's authority. They're focusing ideas of uh, violations of the First Amendment, violations of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, uh, which do apply if somebody's in the United States. It applies to persons, not to, not to citizens. They apply to persons, as you and I both well know, and your well-dogged copy of the Constitution will prove that to us at any moment here. Um, but this law applies to anybody in or outside of the United States. So it is quite clear that under the law, Congress has limited the authority of the president on the entry of any class of aliens or any alien or class of aliens, at least in the context of nationality, that is where somebody was born. And as, as far as immigrant visas is concerned. Now, as far as non-immigrant visas is concerned, the president may have a point here. He may be able to ban these countries. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting oral argument today. David, you can listen to the oral argument tonight. Uh, live. Uh, sign, I don't know if it's simulcast, but it's going to be on the court's website. But it's weird. It's not an in-person oral argument. The oral argument's being done by telephone. Now, the Ninth Circuit, as you are well aware, is known as one of the more, let's say, liberal circuits in the United States, uh, particularly on immigration. Much like uh, choosing Judge Hannon in Texas was a brilliant strategic move by Texas and the anti-immigration with the stop DAPA, this was a brilliant move to file this case in Washington. Now, here's what's interesting. The judge who ordered the the uh, ordered the stop to the executive order is a Bush appointee, Bush Bush two, so George W. Bush appointee. Uh, no no one no shrinking violet when it comes to immigration, and certainly uh, no liberal on the far right. Now that said, who is hearing the appeal? Now my understanding is the people hearing the appeal uh, is part of the Ninth Circuit's permanent. Um, uh, uh, um, panel on hearing emergency motions that involve that includes a Carter appointee, an Obama appointee, and I think a Bush one appointee. So if you're just looking at the panel, how do you think that's going to go tonight for Bush for Trump? Two to one. It's might be two to one, or it might be three zero. I. Now, I'm not saying that they could or should win or, the ban- or, or that the order should stay stayed, but certainly this is going to the Supreme Court either way. Now, the way the Supreme Court works this is first you have to ask for an emergency stay of the stay, and that's, done, that's heard by one justice. Do you know who hears that for the Ninth Circuit? That would be Justice Kennedy. Again, this is the exact opposite, David, of the Texas DAPA lawsuit, isn't it? And this is – it's – is, is this irony? Is this irony? What's good for the goose is good for the gander? This is truly irony. Okay, you're going to use the argument that Texas is harmed because it costs them an extra $13 to issue a driver's license, and therefore the state of Washington is harmed when teachers can't come in, doctors can't come in, and refugees can't come in. So, yeah, I think the harm is about the same as that. So the idea that, they're, well, what's the harm? Same harm in Texas. It's made up by the state. You might not agree with it. You might think it's stupid, but harm is harm. And the standard was set so low, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
And you got on the on the Fifth Circuit, you got your old buddy uh, and one of his one of his uh, 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 Bush appointee colleagues to hear it at the Court of Appeals, at the Fifth Circuit, at the Fifth Circuit. Oh, this is sick with the Fifth Circuit, um, and um, just bad. It's luck of the draw, right? It was just luck, both times. Less luck of the draw. This time, luck of the draw. It's fascinating to see this play out from for just from a legal perspective. You think, wow, uh, what are the odds of these two cases coming down within within a, a couple years of each other? Almost to the day, David. I mean, almost to the day. The 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 bar was issued by Judge Hannon in January of 2015. You know, it's, it's literally almost to the day that this happened. And so maybe this is just uh, the irony of the gods. God's playing irony with us. Hey, let's see what happens now. Let's see how the shoe fits on the other foot. Uh, so I think this oral argument tonight is going to be fascinating. Uh, but the judges are going to be in chambers. They're going to be in their chambers listening to the oral argument. And the lawyers are going to be t- calling in by phone. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I think they would hear this in person, right? I, I would hear it in person, but... Uh, I just think uh, I would be surprised if the ban is not sh- if the ban is struck down. That would be a surprise. Um, it would also be a surprise if the Supreme Court hears this case at all. I don't think they're going to hear this case. Why? And now I'm surprised that you said you'd be surprised if it was struck down. Yeah, I don't think the Ninth Circuit's going to overturn the ban. I think they're. I think they're going. I mean, I'm talking about the ban. I'm, I'm talking. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the stay, not the ban. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I think I think the Ninth Circuit's yeah, going to uphold. I think the Ninth Circuit's going to uphold the stay. Yeah, uh, and just say, well, we don't know whether the ban is or not, but the potential harm here is pretty bad. Uh, and you know, it appears you know the standard's pretty simple. Is there a rational relation uh, to the harm here uh, to, to the president's policies? The judge in the case said, you know, there's no rational policy basis for this ban. There's no rational basis. It's literally. Based upon Trump not liking Muslims, and here's the entire recorded history of Trump not liking Muslims, just like the entire recorded history of Obama not having an authority to do DAPA, right? So it's just stunning the parallels between these two situations. Um, and here I was arguing the other side uh, a year ago or two years ago, and now saying, yeah. I was wrong before him. Right now, you don't have authority. If so, really, if 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 Obama didn't have authority to enforce immigration law as he saw fit under the authority he had, which is the same authority, by the way, then how does Trump? How does Trump? You know, it, it, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. This is what happens, David, when you let politics get involved in judicial judiciality. You know, let me ask you something uh, philosophically, I guess. <clears throat> Big word I pulled out of my... That was not a Texas Tech word. But <laughs> anyway, um, you know, we sit here. I listen. I understand about half a percent. You understand probably 99%, 99.9%. This is a, in my opinion, a very important issue. How many people in the United States, I I bet there's not a hundred people in the United States that understand what's going on. Oh, I agree. I think think people, you know, what's funny, David, how many experts on immigration law there are on Facebook? (laughs) 
Do you know how many experts in immigration law there are on Facebook? It's just stunning. But I, I, or Twitter. I, would, I would bet that there are immigration attorneys that don't understand Oh, it. I, I can guarantee you there are immigration lawyers that don't, don't understand it. I mean, this is, this is very esoteric in the context of immigration. Immigration lawyers don't look at this kind of stuff. We deal with the actual visa issuance process, not about not the politics, generally speaking. You deal in the black and white. Basically. The black, well, the black and white are what's there. I mean, the gray area, too. But this is beyond that. This goes into the whole power issue, which is immigration lawyers you don't usually get into unless you do a lot of litigation like I do, and you're constantly arguing this stuff. So where does this step into or onto our Constitution? Well, it go, the, the, the arguments, at least from the states, say, one, the Establishment Clause, that Trump's order violates the Establishment Clause because it gives preferential treatment to non-Muslims. And that, no, no, now, if you, if you read the Establishment Clause, David, how does it start? Do you have, can you pull up these, can you pull up uh, the First Amendment there, the Establishment Clause? Because uh, I think it's really important to read this stuff. Uh, uh, talking about the Constitution or the laws without referring to them is a foolish, uh, is a foolish endeavor. <laughs> so going to the Constitution is quite important. So can you get to the, the religious freedom of religion uh, section of the First Amendment there? Yep. What does that say there? First, it must be first be point. Uh, wait a second. This was uh, this is this guy's opinion. Yeah, we don't want his opinion. Freedom of speech, is, or you want the religion? I want a religion one. Uh, the establishment clause of the Constitution appears to be clear. Well, maybe that's some okay. commentary. That's his commentary. Yeah. Okay. Um, first, it must be first be pointed out that the clause in the First Amendment concerning freedom of religion does not contain the language that there shall be a separation of church and state. This is his no, no, that's co- where's that, that's where's uh, go to the oh, Constitution. I'm sorry. Here it is. Here okay. It is. I'm sorry. Congress shall make no law. Okay, stop right there. Congress shall make no law. Congress shall make no law. Okay, go on. Respecting an establishment of religion for prohibiting the free exercise, exercise thereof. Okay, that's it. That's that's the whole clause, okay? So you have the establishment clause and you have the free exercise clause. That's it. That's all there is in the Constitution. This is the president doing this. So does the First Amendment... Prohibition on establishment apply to the executive branch. It should apply to everybody. Well, but the Constitution doesn't say that, does it, though? It says Congress. Now, I agree with you. It should apply to everybody, and that's the argument of the states. But if I'm, if I'm the president, I'm going to argue, that's, I'm not Congress. I can do anything I darn well please. If I want to bar religion, I can go ahead and do it. That's, that's the argument to make based upon that. I don't think the argument succeeds, but... I think you have to make that argument. But he's not barring religion. Well, that's the question. Is he? And and the question is, shall make no law respecting the establishment or the free exercise. But again, that when goes you read by, the executive that goes order, back to Congress though. Exactly, exactly. Now, when you read the executive order, it gives preference to non-Muslims. It's in the executive order. That's the downfall of Trump on this. He should not have put that in. It was unnecessary to put that in there because that probably does violate the establishment clause if the court reads that clause to include the executive branch. Okay, that's the first kind. That's how the Constitution is impacted. Two, it's impacted by the due process clause of the free of the Fifth Amendment. Is this a violation of a permanent resident? Because, David, remember, they were barring permanent residents. 
does this bar, does this impact the due process rights of a permanent resident who's a citizen of one of those countries? There's a good argument about that, a really good argument about that. Let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, uh, we were talking about the Due Process Clause, which impacts both the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendments. Um, for people that were permanent residents that were barred by it. Because it's barred everybody. I mean, if you, were, if you were literally a permanent resident, they literally turned you around. Or in some cases, they tried to get you to take your green card away. I mean, that happened at ports of entry. And the disturbing thing about this is it disturbed a lot of our readers, our listeners. So the judge issues an order in Boston at about 9 o'clock at night. Uh, and the people at Dulles Airport, David, re, the, air, the, the CBP folks, refused to comply with the judge's order. That should scare everybody. When government officials take it upon themselves to not to not obey judicial orders, then we live in a, in a, in a country that is not a democracy or a republic. Uh, we begin to live in a country that is an autocracy. And we have to be very, very careful about this. So, David... As a result of these, of the executive orders, uh, which uh, on, the, on the ban, the executive orders on interior enforcement, uh, I felt compelled to write a blog about this last Friday. So, David, about five o'clock on Friday, I began writing a blog, and our blog is at Musings on Immigration uh, blogspot com, or you can link to it from our website at immigration net. And David, I wrote a blog, uh, and I called it this: If you are an immigrant, even a U.S. citizen, here are nine things you should know. Now, David, I will tell you that my blog, when we write blogs, we generally get 1,000 people. If a really good blog, maybe we'll get 5,000 people to read our blog. David, as of two minutes ago, 990,000 people have read this blog. Are you telling me you have a show on America's Web Radio? I do. <laughs> uh, I do have a show here. 990,000 people have read this, this particular blog on my, on my blog. That just it shows you how important it is. And here's, here's what I wrote, which I think is really important. Most people, we get, we get calls all the time, right? What can I do again? Most people want to know what they can do to protect themselves from what promises to be a wave of anti-immigration activity by the federal government. Uh, now, 
Trump's, and I wrote about Trump's executive order on interior and has provisions which should make Americans shiver. So here's what we did. I made a list of the nine different types of people that live in America today besides natural-born U.S. citizens like you and I. One, naturalized U.S. Do naturalized U.S. citizens need to be concerned about immigration enforcement? Hey, I'm a U.S. citizen. Why do I have to be concerned? David, I know we've talked on a show or two previously about the 100-mile constitution-free zone. Do you recall our conversation about that from the border? That within 100 miles of any land or sea border of the United States, you can be asked to show your papers, period, by, by the immigration, not by the cops, but by the immigration officials. They can show you your papers. So what we wrote is if, if, you're, if you're naturalized, particularly if you have a foreign accent, and you're traveling within 100 miles of the U.S. border, what should you carry with you? Your passport, a passport card, copy of your NAT certificate. Why? You may have to prove you're a U.S. citizen. We have reports, and this has been happening for years, of ICE and CBP arresting and deporting U.S. citizens. This happens, David. Now, it's not about panic. It's just about this is, this, this is who the president is. This is what the law is. This is about you need to be prepared for. Second, the separate group people, permanent residents. Most people don't know this. I know they don't know this. But federal law requires that anyone who is not a U.S. citizen is required to carry with them at all times evidence of their lawful status. You can That's in the law at uh, 8 U.S.C. 1304E. In fact, uh, let me just read that real quick. Uh, well, that's weird. Why did that go to... Uh, that went to a dead link. I know that link works because I put that link in there myself. Um, I'll have to go back and, and unlink that, David. That kind of ticks me off that that link disappeared. Uh, but it's 8 U.S.C. 1304E. So carry your green card at all times. Just as noted for U.S. citizens. You should also keep a photocopy of your green card in a safe place at home so it can be accessed by someone in need. Don't forget about the 100-mile Constitution-Free Zone. We should have a show on the Constitution-Free Zone, shouldn't we? Nobody else has talked about that besides me here. I'm surprised. You should ask one of your constitutional guys, hey, what do you know about the 100-mile constitution-free zone? I'd love to get their input on that. Then we can have a joint show. We probably agree on a lot of things in that regard. Um, you should renew your green card within six months of expiring. You know, renew it now. And if it's not obvious, you should start the process to naturalize. Now, a lot of people blew me some blowback. Well, I don't have to naturalize. Donald Trump can't make me naturalize. Okay, your choice. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're naturalized, you're safer. Next group of people, lawfully present non-immigrants, DACA, U-Visas, EADs, visitors, students, H-1Bs, carry with you at all times your employment authorization document, your I-94 card, your passport, or any other proof of lawful presence. And again, did you know that 60% of the U.S. population lives within the 100-mile constitution-free zone, David? The fourth group of people, undocumented immigrants in the U.S. for more than two years. Keep with you evidence at all times that you've been here for two years. Why? Donald Trump put in his executive order that he is activating a never-used provision in immigration law for the immediate removal, called expedited removal from the U.S., of anyone who cannot prove that they have been here for two years. We don't know how ICE or CBU is going to activate that, what they're going to do, but you now have to carry with you evidence that you've been here for two years if you're undocumented so you don't get immediately deported. The next group, Undocumented people who have been here for less than two years. The bad news is you need to plan in place on what will happen to your belongings and your family if you don't return from work, shopping, or school. 
period. You, if you get picked up and you're here less than two years, Trump's plan is to put you in X-ray room. Again, these aren't activated yet, but he's promised to do it. The next group of people, undocumented immigrants with 10 years in the United States and children. You're eligible for, for cancellation of removal. Begin to get the paperwork now. The next group, non-U.S. citizens, permanent residents, visa holders, who have a criminal conviction or are arrested. If you have a criminal conviction and you're not a U.S. citizen, you are deportable from the United States. And Trump has said he will arrest you even if you've only been arrested for the crime, not if you've been convicted. To damn with the due process clause of the Constitution. Undocumented immigrants with prior deportation orders. Man, if you've got a prior deportation order and you're in the, you came back illegally... You're gone. Immigration catches you're gone unless you have a claim to asylum. And finally, for those arrested by ICE, especially for the undocumented, have a plan in place. Decide now who picks up your kids from school, who's authorized to do so with the school, and who to contact first. Have a power of attorney prepared for this. David, this is just reality. This is reality. Not a, it's not meant to scare people. It's meant to prepare people. If you're prepared, you shall not fear. Isn't that the big guy said that one time, I think. So prepare yourself. Uh, maybe that's why, because we give practical advice to people on our blog, we have 990,000 views. I mean, I assume by the end of the day, David, we'll have our first million-viewed blog. That's pretty Congratulations. cool. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty cool. Oddly enough, it hasn't driven a lot of traffic to the website, <laughs> uh, but we got a lot of people looking at the blog. And we have a new picture on our blog. You like our picture on our blog? Sure. Pretty good picture up there on the blog. Uh, very excited about it. It looks good on on the mobile, but doesn't look good on the on the on the computer. I don't know why. It's too big on the computer. It comes out very strange. Um, so that's kind of where we are, David. This uh, I think tonight is going to be very interesting. I plan on listening to the uh, oral argument if if it's live, certainly, and certainly if it's re- it's an hour, by the way, a whole hour. How you can talk about this for an hour? It's like. Um, but trust me, judges and lawyers have no problem talking for an hour. That's not a big deal. What I'm, what I'm going to be doing, David, is I'm listening to some of my computer. I'm going to be yelling at the computer, no, no, don't do this. It's kind of like watching the Falcons game, you know. <laughs> no, you think you've got it won? And then in the last quarter, you're just gone. Let's hope this is more of a Patriot team arguing against Obama, I mean against Trump, uh, than, a, than a Falcons team. God bless their souls. You know, speaking of shows... I was soaking in the words that you were speaking, and and Trump has done some of it, no question about it. But the media has been the biggest... uh, I'm looking for the word... uh, provider of untruths and unfacts if such a word exists. And they've used scare tactics. And this is this is sort of you know, we we between and I'll get Trump and some others, not just Trump, but the media as well, they've turned our society into a lynch mob society of sorts. See I, I disagree. And, uh, all you got to do is go back five years ago and see the attacks on Obama. Same stuff. You go back 150 years ago and look at the political, the media treatment of Lincoln. 
No, but I, I mean, not this is nothing media. new. None, no, nothing not the media about, is doing. No, I'm talking about as far as immigration goes. Oh, and immigration, yeah. I mean, the, well, the problem with the media reporting on immigration, and I'm sorry, all you media listeners, you have no freaking idea how the system works. Exactly. And it, unfortunately, but they but they painted everything bad. No, yeah, and unfortunately, as as the people who are in the system, the providers of the services, the the, the government that does the work, have done a terrible job explaining it. Absolutely. We have not been able to, unfortunately, we have not been able to bring immigration law down to a fifth grade level. I mean, this is, for example, Obamacare, extraordinarily complex law, but the opponents were able to label it in a, in a sentence. They could, they could boil it down to a sentence. It's really tough to boil immigration down to a sentence. At least we haven't figured out how to do that. Now, the anti-immigration movement has done that, but the pro-immigration movement, people who believe immigration is good for America, we have done a terrible job. And the media has done a terrible job. You know, I can't tell you how many people I talk to in the media reporters will explain this to me. And they have no, and they go, and they just consistently don't get it all out there. Or if they try to get it all out there, David, the editor cuts the middle part of the, of, of the story and you don't get the explanation. I mean, it happens a lot. So I'm not going to blame all the media on this. This is just hyper complicated. This is why our immigration system needs to be fixed. It's way too complicated. It's way too complicated and doesn't serve American purposes. But, but you, it doesn't help America. You, immigration can't be painted with a, with one stroke of the brush. It, it's no, because it's like it's, everything else. It's a, it, it touches so many facets of our society. It's it's you impossible. Want a, a known throat cutter moving in next door to you? Of course no. not. But it, it just. But that's. But the media has done some of that. Trump has done some, and others have done some. Oh of that. yeah, yeah. If you let him in, well, then you're just letting every bad killer in the world, yeah. and, uh, you know. Yeah. And, that's and, and all it takes is for one one immigrant to do a bad thing, and every immigrant's tainted by it. David, it's been a great show. We'll be back next week as we talk about the Trumpian orders as they continue to come out here on America's Web Radio. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week on the Immigration Hour. You're listening to America's the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.